If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello again, and welcome to episode 110 of Vacation Rental Success, and a happy new year to everybody out there. Uh, I hope you're all recovered from the excesses if you had them over the Christmas period and you're feeling wonderful and raring to go for 2016. I know I am. You know, you're, if you're listening to this on the day, day it's published, then you'll know that that Mike and I launched the Vacation Rental Formula on Monday and we are just absolutely loving it, getting so many members, so many people that that we recognize coming in and joining us on on the formula and getting some great feedback too. So, if you haven't checked it out yet, please do go to vacationrentalformula.com and all the information is there. I'll still be publishing the podcast, of course, every week. And uh, for the time being, we're going to keep them on cottageblogger.com. So you'll still be able to contact me at heather at cottageblogger.com, um, at least for the, for the foreseeable future. At some point, we're probably going to be moving over to the Vacation Rental Formula um, in its entirety, but uh, that, that's perhaps not for a while yet. So uh, I've been, been really having some issues with technology over the last week or two, and mainly with, with things like Skype. I've had problems with Skype loading up correctly on my, on my uh, Mac. It just seemed like every program I tried to use I had an issue with. Do you ever have those sorts of days where everything just just seems to fall apart? And I don't know. Um, I entered this new year with the with a different mindset that when these things happen, I'm not going to get frustrated with them anymore. I'm just going to get up, walk away, and I know when I come back, it's all going to be fixed. So what's happening with um, with me this in in 2016? Uh, as I speak, I am. We we hopefully have sold Osprey Cottage, and uh, and the new owners will be taking possession in a couple of months. And uh, so around about the end of February, beginning of March, they are going to be continuing uh, with the rentals as we have done for the past ten years with Osprey. And I'm delighted that so many bookings have already come in for the cottage for people who've been renting with us for many many years because that that just that that makes me feel good that we're going to be handing the cottage on with all those returning guests and it must be you know it's it's going to be so nice for the new owners of Osprey to to start out in the rental business with with almost a full house for the summer which is what they which is what they will have by the time of of closing so Super congratulations to them, and uh, I hope that uh, that they're listening. We'll look forward to perhaps interviewing you, um, maybe after your first year or so, just to see how you've how you've got on. So, talking about interviewing owners, this is something I want to be doing more and more of in the new year. And and although I have some great people lined up for interviews, who are what we might call industry experts, people who have expertise in, in specific areas of the industry. I, I'd heard from so many listeners that you do enjoy listening to other owners' experiences. So I am delighted today to welcome onto the show uh, an, an owner. He is going to tell us all about his, uh, his, his condo. He's going to tell us about a particular issue he had over the uh, over the Christmas period that I heard about on on Twitter, we went backwards and forwards at that time about it, and I did mention it in last week's uh, episode as well. Uh, and we're also going to talk to Matt about um, about his day job. He works in the um, in the web design field and SEO, so I'm hoping we're going to glean some information from him about the whole issue of SEO as well. So without further ado, let's move on over to the interview with Matt. 
Well, I'm delighted to have with me today Matt Ward. And Matt hails from where, Matt? Uh, I am located in Gardner, Massachusetts, which is about an hour and 20 minutes west of Boston, Mass. What's the weather like there? You know that I love talking about the weather. Yes, I do know that you love talking about the weather. Uh, We got an sleeting ice storm a day or two ago, and the roads still aren't clean. It was that bad, but it's uh, we're ma- we're making it through. You know, it was actually our first snowfall of the entire year, which is good. And that was on what December twenty, late twentieth, thirtieth, something like that. Yeah, so. it was a couple of days ago. I think it was probably one one that went through through here. First, yeah, maybe. But yes, yes, we're exactly the same. I was I was out on the beach on Christmas Day having a picnic. And Christmas Day, yeah, oh, having a picnic. Day, we- <laughs> Christmas Day, we had a high here of uh, 70-something. Oh, that's amazing. When you think back to what, what you had last year and all that snow. Yeah, we had uh, over a foot, yeah. But it's early, it's early days yet. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, the reason why I bought my home in Fort Myers. <laughs> and I'm off to the Bahamas in four weeks. So, Matt, tell me a, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, oh, let me just give a bit of a background to um, to the audience that um, I first heard about Matt when he um, emailed me and said that he'd been listening to, or tweeted, I think it may have been, and that you'd listened to every one of my podcasts in about space of about a week or 10 days? Yeah, it wasn't quite that quick. I think it was about four weeks. But um, what what had happened was I really got into, um, I do a lot of drive time with my business. So um, I I got into listening to a lot of podcasts and had what I call power podcasting. So usually when a podcast is done, I just hit the next episode and keep going until all the downloaded ones have been played. And then I move on to another podcast and learn about something else. Um, and, and the reason why I learn, I'm like a lifelong learner, I guess. I don't really have a college background, but this is my university, I suppose. I own a web company um, called In Concert Web Solutions. I have 11 employees I've um, been doing it since 2002. Um, it's my primary business. I also have a few other businesses like my vacation home. I have a rental property here in Massachusetts, which has four apartments in it. Um, and I have an online uh, business as well as a motivational speaking business. So I'm kind of, I have a lot of different things in the fire, but this is sort of my bread and butter, the in concert web solutions. And that's yeah. what we do. We build effective websites for people. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm sure, and we're gonna. I'm gonna be asking you about that a little bit, uh, a little bit later on in in this interview because I'm sure you have some things that you could share with the audience about websites and having a website and how best to um, to to get the to get it out there that you actually have one because I think uh, I think a lot of people just. Uh, either set one up on their own or get somebody else to set it up and then sit it there and hope that the traffic will come. And and I also know how active you are on social media too, because I mean, that that's really, that's really where we met on Twitter and, sure. and Twitter is my, it's sort of my, my home platform. I love Twitter. I have made so many connections via Twitter. I think it's one of the best platforms for networking and for engagement, and uh, and really, that that's why you're here today because of that engagement through Twitter. So uh, we'll cover off with that a bit later on. So tell me about the uh, the vacation rental home. How long have you had it? And um, you know, t- tell us a bit more ab- about the the setup of it. Sure. So it's um, a two bedroom, two and a half bath. So each bedroom has its own full bath, master bath in it. Um, two bedroom, two and a half bath condo. Um, in Fort Myers, it's actually 2.3 miles from Sanibel Island. Um, and, uh, it's in a small condo community of 12 units. So there's basically four units in each building and there's three buildings. And then we have a, a community pool for the 12, uh, 12 owners. Um, it's, um, you know, I, I looked at, uh, Fort Myers, um, I had never actually been to Fort Myers, but I looked at Fort Myers uh, for multiple reasons. There are direct flights out of Boston uh, and Hartford, uh, which are the two closest airports to me. Um, But Boston primarily um, is a big deal because, you know, a lot of my 
web clients are here. And so if I'm going to do social media marketing with my vacation rental home, a lot of my clients who might have connected with me there might actually see that. And it sort of would be passive advertising to them. Uh, fairly simple to get to. But moreover, uh, the Boston Red Sox actually have spring training in Fort Myers at JetBlue Park. And so that is a, a huge draw. Not so much that I'm the biggest Red Sox fan, but uh, my prospects are, my customers, mm-hmm. theoretically, my stays are. Um, so that's those are the two primary reasons. I had been to Naples, Florida, which is just south of that, in 2009. And I said, uh, I'm eventually going to live down here because uh, I don't like the snow. Um, so... Uh, I've been in Massachusetts since 1997, and I literally despise the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, so, I'm definitely getting there too. I know I know exactly now, exactly where you're coming from. Each year, it yeah. just seems to be a little bit more difficult. I bought um, I bought the property uh, in actually closed on it on July 15th, and um, what happened was in March I'd contacted a former high school friend of mine from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which which is where we went to high school, Chocolate Town, USA. Go Hershey. Um, and, um, he lives in Fort Myers and I said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting a place and he connected me with a great realtor and, um, Jake got me this place and we put an offer on it. I had, I actually contacted Jake on a Thursday and said, Hey, I want to come down and look at some properties. And he said, fine. When do you want to do that? And I said, uh, next weekend. (laughs) And he said, uh, Okay. And then I said, yep, my flight is booked. Oh, by the way, can you drive me around and show me the area? (laughs) So the only property we could see was the one we bought um, because the other ones were occupied with people or whatnot. Um, This was a foreclosure property that had been empty for three years. Um, So it needed some work. Uh, Didn't need a ton of work, which was the beauty of it. It was uh, quite cosmetic. The carpets were just really bad. The paint was just really bad. Um... The doors looked really bad. They were the old, the old brown doors that nobody had painted or anything, and nobody had upgraded any of that stuff. Um, and so when people looked at the property, I think they looked at the cosmetics of it, and they thought, oh, this is going to be a problem. And I looked at it and said, oh, this is an opportunity. <laughs> um, so uh, I did my market research on sort of what I could get weekly down there, you know, what I thought I could get weekly. So we went into it, we bought it, and we ripped out all the carpet and put in all, all tile um, on the first floor and changed out all the toilets that were really old, um, put in new appliances and things like that. Um, and then we bought all brand new furniture. And we bought it. Uh, my girlfriend, Lisa, did every, everything design-wise, so i got to give her credit because she, she has gotten compliment after compliment on how great it looks. And um, I think that's just she just paid attention to that. Um, well, that's very so we clear. To- that's very clear because I've seen it. I've, I'll put a link to your website at yeah. the end at the end of the show notes, so people can go and have a look. And I, I've been and had a look at the uh, at the property and and the photographs. Great photographs. Um, the place looks beautifully furnished, uh, and that of course that just goes such a long way to yeah. to, to creating that appeal and attraction. Yeah, and it's not perfect. I mean, we're learning. You know, we're we're really having a lot of struggles. We had some struggles with our condo association when we first bought it. I told them I was renting, and the management uh, said, "Oh, they're not going to like that. You're renting less than thirty days." And I said, "So you gave me the condo docs before I closed, and there's nothing in there about that." Interestingly enough, two weeks after I closed, all of a sudden I get this email saying, "Yeah, the docs I gave you, those aren't accurate. These are the ones," and it basically said. You can't rent for less than 30 days. You can't rent more than three times a year. Um, and only three out of the 12 can have a full-time renter. So it was just really crazy how that worked out. Um, and so I basically sent him an email and said, listen, this is bait and switch. You can't tell me it's one thing and then try and change it and say it's another. They went and got a legal opinion and found out we were grandfathered in. The rules that they had made was some sort of a board vote. And instead, what they needed was a full membership vote. And so they didn't take a proper vote. And so if they took a proper vote now, everybody living there would be grandfathered in. We're lucky in that regard. And we, we dodged a big bullet there. Um, it's, it's an interesting story because I've, I've heard this before from people where they've you know, very 
sadder stories where, where they've actually bought something thinking that they could rent it out and then, you know, hadn't, didn't, didn't come by the circumstances or situation that you, you were in and found that they were not able to rent out at all. It, you know, it, it's a cautionary tale, isn't it? But for yeah. any, anybody who's going into buying a, a property, that, that they look into this in so much detail beforehand. And I just hadn't gotten to podcast 48 or whatever the number was <laughs> yet to know that. That's one of the, the challenges of deciding to go back and listen from the beginning because a lot of podcasts are, you know, they build upon themselves having learned from one episode to another about, and things are referenced. So I always wanted to start from the beginning and I obviously didn't catch it up enough. I mean, you've had this great guest on from Orlando that you've talked to before and she understands every area of Orlando and Mm -hmm. what the restrictions are and what the communities are and all of that. Um, My realtor owns 24 rental properties, but they're long-term rentals in Fort Myers. So he he doesn't always know those short-term rental rules. And there's probably not a lot of realtors that do know that. And it's tough to get the accurate. We did our due diligence. We asked for the information and the information we got validated what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very clear with everybody on the board that I would have never bought the property that I considered it a very serious matter. And if they wanted to pursue it, I was willing to pursue it because I wasn't going to invest all this money over a hundred thousand dollars in a property to just have somebody say I couldn't rent it when they said I could before, or, or I should say lack of information that mm-hmm. they provided before. Um, but that's also the, uh, another important thing, you know, up here, I live in a 115 unit condo association and we, I'm the president, and I understand everything that goes into these units. We've never once had an issue about short-term rentals. Nobody's ever asked. I don't even know if it's even happening. Interestingly enough, um, I think that we have a management company. In Florida, they were self-managed for so long that when you look at the documents, you can see lots of errors in them, You know, lots of contradictions. So when you have a condo association that's self-managed, you really need to find somebody to look over everything and be willing to pay that money. I didn't do that, and it could have cost me a fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I should I should have been willing to invest five hundred or a thousand dollars to save me one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of headache or whatever the number would have been, because um, it would have been risky, you know. Oh, so, you, you made some great points there. You know, num- number one is about finding a realtor who actually understands the short term rental market, because there there is so much, there's such a a, a world of difference between the residential long-term market and short-term vacation rentals. I, I've spoken to realtors who say, yeah, we, we do rentals and then don't, don't have a clue about short-term. Yeah, and, and the risk with that is life happens uh, and we do business with people we know, like, and trust. That's pretty standard across the board no matter where you live. Um, so when you get referred to somebody, you know that they're good typically. The problem is they may not have that expertise if you go with somebody who's got that expertise, they may be horrible and never call you back. <laughs> like the guy that took you to see those houses that one time and he had no idea what you were even looking for. Yes, that's, that's, going, that's going way back. <laughs> right? But, but you see, he didn't listen. He wasn't a very good realtor at all, right? And so he might have been a specialist in cottages, but not cottages that could be rented mm-hmm. or something like that, you know? So, but... You know, the one thing I will say, and, and we've had no problem finding people to help us down there, like whether it be marketing people or whatever, um, because of the location. Um, we, uh, we interviewed five management companies in, in August of 2015, um, decided on one. They pretty much all had the same story, which is we can rent your place for January, February, March, no problem within 10 days. Um, we'll get you on our website. We'll get you everywhere. Um, and so we signed with a company that's, that offered that, but also said, we're going to market you out of season so, so you can make all these other times rentable. And they were horrific. Worst company I've ever dealt with um, in, in any of my businesses. They just never, they didn't reply. They didn't get us on any websites. They never put us on HomeAway and VRBO, which was part of the contract. Um, so over a month, we sat there doing literally nothing. And we were so frustrated with everything. And, and we'd call them and there would be one answer or another answer, or this or that. Hey, did you go take pictures? No, no. You know, it was always one thing or another. Um, and so we just said, you know what? We're done. <laughs> they, get, they did get us one booking in February. 
And um, so it was right in the middle of the three-month booking season. And um, so it kind of blocked up the three-month booking, which was a risk. But um, we took it. And then when we canceled, we just said, you know, we're canceling. And it's far enough in advance. You need to rehome this person because they're your client. And we're not going to honor it. We just can't. We, we don't know what you told them. As it was, our contract was for 18%, but they weren't even, it was just a really bad situation, you know? So we fired them. And the next day we had a photographer out there taking photos. And of course they get to the property and the key isn't there because the property manager had it. So this is the type of stuff we were dealing with, you know? So on Tuesday morning, she takes the photos. We get the photos and by Thursday morning at 8 a.m., we went live on HomeAway. Meanwhile, I'm trying to run my business, right? Multiple businesses. So Lisa goes on HomeAway, gets the account, gets everything set up, gets all the photos and writes all the descriptions. The listing went live at 8 a.m. on a Thursday morning in September, late September. And uh, by 1 p.m., we had booked January, February, and March for full rate. And by 5 o'clock, we had booked the last week of December which is this week. The next day we had booked by five o'clock on a Friday. We had a guy call her on the phone and say, Hey, I thought I had a place to stay. I don't have a place. I'm coming down with my, my elderly mom on Sunday. I need a place to stay for a week. Is your place available? So we questioned him a lot because we were concerned about that. The late notice fraud situation. We were very comfortable. And plus being in the internet world, I know how to Google people. So I found out he was a firefighter in Minnesota and uh, pretty much backed up whatever he told us. So we were comfortable. So we rented to him. So he was our first paying guest, uh, which was 72 hours after we went live on HomeAway. Proof that the management company had done nothing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you've, been, uh, you've been doing your marketing by yourself ever since? We have, yeah. And it's been fun and interesting. I mean, I guess you could say I'm a marketer, but really I'm not. I'm a business owner and I delegate a lot of marketing. Yes, I'm active on social media and that's just because I like to do that. Um, but this is different. This is, you know, this is a job. It's a business. And yeah, I can outsource it. And some of those things I will. Some I might have my staff do. But right now, pretty much Lisa and I are doing everything. We did eventually hire a another management company just as boots on the ground. So we have a small monthly contract with them where they go check on the property once a week. And if we have an issue, we can send them over as well. So we have some boots on the ground people. So, so what do you do about sort of changeovers and cleaning and that sort yep, of thing? So, so originally we had, um, I'm a member of BNI. I don't know if you've heard of that, but they're a worldwide organization mm-hmm. for networking. And um, so I contacted a BNI members down there and that's who I got through my first three months with as I started vetting them out and finding whatever. And then our cleaner became unavailable she got a contract with a big real estate company. And so she just was not responsive. Mm -hmm. So the boots on the ground company has a whole series of cleaners. And that's one thing we did like, so we moved our cleaning service to them. And so, um, we, we pay those cleaners and, and there's like, uh, they have like three crews that can service our place. It just depends on their availability and when our guests are checking in and checking out. And it's been, it's been great so far. We contracted with them in uh, when I was there in November. I went down for a weekend in November to kind of wrap all this stuff up and do some maintenance on the property. So, so tell me about the uh, the, the people last week because we we did have this little. Um, well, they're still back, there, back, back and forth. So they're they're still there. Well, if if you'd like to share that story, yeah. I, I I think um, so, I, I mentioned it in last week's podcast. So yeah, and there's <laughs> actually we actually have a thread going on over at Home Away because we wanted to get advice over there as well, just from other users and stuff. So the situation, you know, we have a pullout couch, a sleeper sofa, so we do allow up to six people, but our unit is fairly small. It's like a twelve hundred square foot unit. It's not a big unit. It's got two queen-size beds and a pull-out couch. We rented to a family of six, um, three adults and three children. Um, Within five minutes of them arriving, I received a text from uh, a neighbor who said there's seven people here. I didn't hear much back. Um, Then we get another phone call that uh, there was a kid sort of stuck in the pool area because he couldn't reach the lock on the top of the gate to get out of the pool uh, pool deck area. 
So now, okay, so this is the concern from the neighbor was these people aren't watching their kids and they're here less than an hour. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, we've had a number of guests in here. This is the first we've had any text, any phone call, any concerns. Um, so the next day, um, we hear from another neighbor that says that there's seven people there. So, uh, Lisa calls the guest, um, to, to ask her. And she says, no, I, I don't know where they're getting that from. We have six people. Uh, okay. So we, we took her word. The lady hangs up and she calls back five minutes later. She says, you know, I, I don't understand what's wrong with your neighbors. And we're like, what, what, what do you mean? And she says, well, I don't understand why they have to be calling you with this stuff. It's, it's all, it's not even true. And Lisa's response was, I would not be a good homeowner if I did not call and speak to you about this. And I'm sure you can understand my position on that. So she said, no, that's fine. So, and, and then she called back later to say, oh, we found out from one of the kids in the car later on in the day that he was in fact in the pool. Because she had denied that that even happened as well. So she felt really bad about that. So she called back. So the next morning, she's not parked in her assigned parking space. Uh, we have assigned parking spaces that are clearly numbered. And she's not parked in the right spot. She's parked in a neighbor's spot. So the neighbor calls and lodges a formal complaint with the condo association. Somebody's in her spot and whatever. And so Lisa calls to talk to the guest. And they said, oh, well, we thought we were in the right spot. We'll go move our car. And Lisa says, and oh, by the way, um, how many people do you have? And she says, six. Why? And she says, and Lisa says, well, our camera rebooted last night. And we know that you have seven. Oh, well, we picked up uh, an extra child in Orlando. We just couldn't say no. She said, well, what, what do you want us to do? You want us to leave in the morning? So a lot of this was through text messaging at this point. So we decided that with the complaints and everything, we would just refund remaining nights or whatever and have them leave. You know, we just felt that it was best to keep our relationship with our association and our neighbors strong because mm-hmm. this guest would never come back anyway, but we have to deal with our neighbors all the time. And, and they're more important to us than this one guest. And so then the guest proceeded to say, well, you can't evict us by Florida law. We called an attorney. We'll only leave if you give us every night taxes, security deposit uh, back, and you do it in cash. And what we were trying to do was do as much as we possibly could within our legal rights to ensure that we have, you know, we want to show our neighbors that we're doing that. And it wasn't just an action of going through the process. Like if we could have gotten them removed, we would have done that because, you know, we're listed on homeway as having a maximum capacity of six, not seven. We've turned parties away of seven. We don't want seven people in our property. It's not big enough for that. And it creates a problem in our community. Um, there's just too many people. Uh, so it's just not a good fit for us. And we, we turn people away with the occupancy that high. Um, you know, we don't we don't even have seven plates. We have six six dish sets. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a six seated table. You know, I mean, it just doesn't. It none of it adds up for us. Um, my so, belief is that she fully intended to do this all along. That she perpetuated fraud against us, um, and honestly, think that part of it was our mistake in the fact that we probably had too low of a price. Because when we came on the market, we purposely set our price low so that we could get bookings, cover expenses, and get repeat guests, as well as good reviews. I mean, we want to do everything in our power to make sure we're doing, um, going above and beyond from a customer service perspective to ensure that our guests are having a good time, you know, and that they're they're on vacation. Uh, We used to ask them to do a whole bunch of things, start the laundry, start the dishwasher. We just decided, no, we're not going to do that. I've been listening to your podcast, and we just said, you know what? You just pack your bags and leave. You don't have to worry about doing anything. We don't want you to have that lasting impression of leaving our home, having had to clean anything for a half hour. So, so going back to this, this family, they're leaving after New Year, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think the um, I don't think the air conditioning is working right. Well, hopefully, hopefully that uh, that they they will leave and 
Um, so, but, uh, yeah, but, you know, overcrow- overcrowding does happen. And we had one last summer where... So they, they posted pictures on Facebook and we, we found with, with one, there were like pictures of 14 people in a property that slept, slept eight. And, you know, Heather, had we not received complaints... Yeah. I really don't think this this would have risen to such... This is this has become very emotional for for Lisa and I, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to separate the emotion from business. Um, I know that in all my businesses, but yeah. it's very personal and it's very emotional when somebody lies to you over the phone verbally, lying to you, basically telling you that the three other neighbors are liars, right? And so they're telling you this, and you just know in all your being that they're lying to you. So then it's like, what else are they lying about, right? And so, had they not, had they, had they watched their children, had the children not been unruly, had it not been an issue, then they probably would have skated through without us even knowing. Um, and so, had they been honest about everything, or picked the child up in Orlando and called us when they were in Orlando and said, hey, we have this situation, you know, we want to bring this extra kid. They would have been talking to us. We still probably would have said no, but, you know, the other thing that concerns me is that we have occupancy rules with our condos. <laughs> yeah. I, Seven I, is I, above the rules. Yeah. I mentioned this to Mike in, in last week's episode that, that we have exactly the same. Well, not, we don't have condo rules, but we're, we're bound by insurance. And, yes. And we are insured to accommodate up to uh, eight people. So if you have one more than that, and, you know, Mike mentioned that, okay, so you've done your due diligence and you didn't expect them to bring any more. But if, if the insurance company finds out that you knew they had more people and didn't do anything about it and an yeah. incident occurred, I mean, right. they, you know, I, I have many friends in the insurance industry and I'm sure they will, they, they, they don't mind me saying that, that if they're going to wiggle out of it, they will do. You know, if 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 you voided that insur- insurance by any clause whatsoever, they will not settle. We have changed around our terms and conditions a lot recently, and we actually send all our guests now an email the week before they go, and it's a standard email. And it just says, you know, you're only a week away from your vacation. Uh, bet you're looking forward to it. it. Must be, you know, must be so excited. Just a reminder. That we have you, we have you recorded with this many guests and this yeah. many pets. If this has changed at all, we don't mind if you drop a few. But if you if you have any guests that are not listed on this list, you must let us know. And since we did that, that really has it, it's it's changed the playing field altogether because we've now we now get very busy in the week each week. As people are calling saying, oh, I just got this email and I'd forgotten to tell you that Auntie, Auntie Mavis and, and Uncle Bob are coming. Or my, my daughter's bringing a friend. Mm-hmm. And we all say, well, that's absolutely fine. But we must have those names, certainly for insurance purposes. So, so Matt, let's, let's move on a little bit. You've got the property on HomeAway. Um, have yeah. you got it anywhere else? So we put it on TripAdvisor. We've not gotten any single um, inquiries from that yet. Um, and we put it on Airbnb, and our first Airbnb guest was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to sign the agreement, um, and it gave us a review in German, which doesn't make any sense when you translate it. Um, so it was just, it was just a that, that was a problem. So we're still listed on Airbnb, but we've changed the rates quite a bit to uh, you know get a higher clientele. That, that it's more accepting of our property. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we just had a inquiry come in from Airbnb uh, for a guy and his young, his kids and his wife uh, for April. So, and we booked them, um, we, but we talked to him first. The biggest problem we have with Airbnb is getting, you have to call Airbnb every single time to get them to give your number to the guest. We will not accept an inquiry from Airbnb unless we speak to the guest. We have to speak to the Lisa speaks to every single guest mm-hmm. on the phone or we will not book you. And we've done that from day one. Um, but it's it's a pain in the butt with Airbnb to do that. In fact, this guest had never used Airbnb before, so he was very confused 
Every time he sent his email, it kept masking it out. Every time he sent his phone number, it masked it out. Every time he sent a website, masked it out. And so he was frustrated with the whole process. He understood that we wanted to speak to him, and he was fine with that. He was just frustrated with the fact that he couldn't give us his information because the Airbnb system kept stripping it out. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they do that. They're doing it to protect their own interests, but uh, it's a bad idea. Yeah, I've 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 heard I've I've heard several so so, so many different uh, different reports about how successful Airbnb is. But I, yeah, you know, it comes down to I think if you if you're in a, in an urban area or a city. Um, Airbnb really, really does work, work, but but out in sort of vacation land, it's it's not so um, it's, it's not so successful. I know the the place that we go to in in the Bahamas um, is a is a small apartment on top of the owner's um, home, and yeah. and they've they they've had some limited success on Airbnb because it's it it's a sort of Airbnb type of property. But they they actually said the quality of their guests that they get from yeah, Airbnb not is not great. It's it's very yeah. different. It's a different. Say the quality is not great. I, th- I think maybe I'm saying it's a different kind of demographic. You know, and also I think different expectations too. Yeah. You know, so we're moving. We're trying to go listing independent. I don't know how long it'll take us to do that. We built out a website. I think the website we built out in three days. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I didn't even use my own company to do it because I knew my own company couldn't build out a website in three days. Um, so I went and bought a vacation rental template, put it on WordPress, and cranked away at content. So we blog a lot um, about the area and about lots of different things. When I went down in November, I went to uh, Bacon Fest, which was in Naples, and I did some videos and I posted them and. The organizers of Bacon Fest contacted me afterwards and asked me to do an interview with a celebrity chef um, who has been on Chopped and all these TV shows and won one of them. Um, and she was in Fort Myers doing a, an event where she was charging. So I was going to do this interview with her and the schedules just never worked out before the event. But since then, they've contacted us. The same organizers contacted us to actually do a blog on a local brand new restaurant, we were invited to go eat for free, um, just to tip the the wait service when we were there in exchange for honest reviews and honest blog articles. Um, and we couldn't make that event, but that was interesting. You know, we were getting a lot of seems to be getting a lot of traction on. Um, we use Twitter for for the property name is the favorite son. Um, it's it's the favorite S U N. And it's because it's sunny in Florida all the time, but also because I'm my mom's favorite son. <laughs> I, I was going to ask where the name came from. Yeah, that's actually where it came from. <laughs> um, there's a little, little play on words there. But um, but we're, we're on Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook page. And um, we created a downloadable beach guide. I created a welcome book on Canva in uh, less than a week. Um, we created a downloadable beach guide that we have. Uh, for people to download. And so we run Facebook advertising for the Beach Guide, and then people can download that, and we put them in a follow-up funnel um, with, like, top blog posts and things like that. Um, so we're just trying different things. And right now, the biggest thing is our biggest push is content. So we're, um, we're, we're, we're trying to bring in guest bloggers and guest people to post. Um, we haven't really found anybody, but it doesn't mean we won't eventually, you know. And so... Well, I was very interested to to see your blog and look at all the posts because I've just wrapped up um, one of the action plans for the vacation rental formula is on is on blogging the vacation rental owner's guide to blogging yeah. um, because you know I've been blogging for I don't know ten years twelve years yeah and and know how powerful it can be but of course it doesn't stand alone you've got to have the, you've got to drive the traffic to it so one thing I do. And I'll give this as a as a takeaway tip for everybody listening. If they're going to do their own blog, when you – like we did uh, pizza places, right? Top 10 pizza places. Mm-hmm. We actually found a website that did it. We asked them for permission to use it, use their content, and they agreed. Um, so we cited them at the bottom. But when we mentioned every pizza place, we made sure that we took that blog article and posted it to their Facebook page or tagged them in a tweet. Mm-hmm. If you mention someone in your article, a business of any kind, 
you want to let them know because they're going to repost and reshare. Now, yeah, it's local. It's not necessarily far away. Um, and that's not necessarily our, our clientele eventually. But understand that I only have 356 days to rent. And it's actually a lot less than that because I want to use it some. So I really only have an inventory of 200 days, right, of which my, my season – uh, December through end of March, four months is going to be booked solid every single year, automatic. So I really only need to rent another four months, you know? And so I just got to provide good content mm-hmm. and eventually people will find it and people will share it out because there are people that go down to Fort Myers that like this pizza shop, then go back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or go back to Canada or go back to L.A. or where, Maine, wherever they're coming from, and they happen to like that Facebook page. And then that that pizza place shares it on their own Facebook page, and they might see it in Maine, and they might click on it, you know? Yeah. And we only need one. We only need one. Absolutely. No, I, I you know, your your website and, and the way you're managing social media is is a wonderful model, I think, for, for any vacation rental owner who's thinking of, of – branching out and getting more independent of the listing sites because you know that that is going to be the way to go yeah so matt we're uh, we're, we're getting a bit short on time at the moment and i i just wanted to ask you about your core business which sure. is um which is web de- website development and an seo if you yeah. take take that and sort of think about it from the perspective of of a vacation rental owner starting a website what advice could you give somebody who's Who's been just listing on um, on on HomeAway or VRBO or TripAdvisor for a while, but now sees the the real sense in starting up their in, in building their own website? What advice would you give them? So the first thing is, and this is in my business as a whole, is that just because you do it yourself or you hire someone to do it for you doesn't mean that you don't have a time commitment. Um, a lot of times in our business, we're expected to just produce this thing and not have any involvement from the customer. Um, and that's not reality. Even when um, I'm always corrected by my project manager here when I go, oh, it's, come on, Mark, that's only going to take 10 minutes. He's like, dude, it doesn't take 10 minutes. You know, and he's like, they got to go research it. They got to put in. And one thing you'll learn. Well, so first off, platform, plug, um, use WordPress. Uh, don't use Wix. Don't use any of these other builders. The other independent builders lock you in. Um, So they may be free or they may be low cost, but they lock you in. So if you ever want to make a change, you cannot leave them and take your website. All right. So web.com is an example of that. Um, You can get a site for a hundred bucks a month there or something, but you cannot take the website. So you want to use WordPress. And there's a difference between WordPress.com and WordPress.org. WordPress.com is actually on the WordPress.com site. We never recommend that. WordPress.org is where you go to download the software and put it on your hosting platform provider. If you have a good web company, um, they'll set it up, or you have a one-click install to to put the WordPress.org software onto your site and onto your domain name, and that is the way to go. What I did, because I needed to produce something really quickly, was I bought a template for $35. It was a vacation rental home template. And it came with this beautiful picture in there that looked nothing like my house. <laughs> and I just needed to wait for my photos to come in and switch them out. And that's what we did. It is constantly tweaking. You have to make a commitment to be in your website multiple times in a given week. If you don't do that, your website will fail and it won't be effective. Effective websites are ones that are managed on a regular basis. Um, this is... I tell people all the time, it is not Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams. You cannot put it up and expect it will come. It's not going to happen. So you have to find ways to, the blogging is a a great way to do that. If you have a photo gallery, that's more content. Um, And I do a lot of public speaking around marketing as a whole. And a lot of people don't know where to start with social media. Do I do Facebook? Do I do Twitter? Look, if you don't have any experience in any of that, then I just say stick with the website first and build content. Make a commitment and hold that commitment. That commitment should be I'm going to write one blog article a week. 
Now, one thing we did was, as I called Lisa an overachiever the other day, we did 12 days of Christmas. So 12 days prior to Christmas, we posted about something every single day for 12 days about Fort Myers. It was painful. I mean, <laughs> she's she's researching it, she's writing it, and then I'm approving it, and I'm doing my little SEO tricks to it, too. You don't have to worry about the SEO tricks. That can come later. But you should have somebody proof it. So, like, if Heather writes the blog, then maybe Mike Bayer can uh, proof it. Because you definitely need another set of eyes on it. But to write a blog post, you should expect to spend an hour to an hour and a half and to edit it maybe about 20 or 30 minutes just to read it and understand it and make sure it makes sense. And then you post it. And then um, and then you hope that uh, over time you get some traffic to it. Um, but then the but act. then you'd also go on to, um, onto Twitter and... Yeah, post it out to your Twitter network and put it on your Facebook page. So one of the best things that you can do when you have WordPress is install a plugin called um, Jetpack. And Jetpack has a little thing inside of it. It's free. Jetpack is free. And um, you can configure a thing within Jetpack called Publicize, where you can connect your Facebook and Twitter. So if you look at our Facebook feed, we use Jetpack to push that out. And it automatically posts it within 30 seconds of actually the blog going live. It will put it on Facebook and Twitter. And you can control what those things basically say, what those, the messages that get pushed out are. But that is one of the easiest ways to automate. The other automation tool we use, and I use it all the time, is Hootsuite. That's free um, and allows you to schedule some posts in advance. And um, But that's that's second-level social media, right? So... The bigger, the bigger um, key is that once you have a website and once you have content, then you can start connecting all the social channels. I think a lot of times, I, I guess the best thing I always say in my public speaking event is, how do you eat an elephant? Oh, you're asking me the question. Yeah. yeah. How do you eat an elephant? A small piece at a time. There you go. One bite <laughs> at a time. And if you try and bite off every social media or that you want to Facebook five times a week or that you want to tweet out something five times a day or that you want to write five blog posts in a week, it's going to be too much. So start with just one blog post a month, then go to two blog posts a month, then go to three blog posts a month. Then that's once a week, you know? And so you can find a way to, to the, there are ways to do this and, and, and make it so you don't spend a ton of time doing, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that is great input, Matt. Thank you so much for that um, because it, it really backs up what what um, you know what what I've been uh, getting out to people for for quite a while. That as as you say, it's it's not the field of dream stuff. You've they won't come <laughs> unless you go out and gather them in, and you've you've got to do that. And of course, you know I'm I'm always been very strong on engagement and. The fact that Twitter is not there just to go and post um, post links to your website, it's it's there to to share what you've written about and to engage with people who are interested in it. Yeah, it's called social media for a reason. It has to be social. Yeah. So, Matt, um, I would I would happily carry on for another hour, but I think <laughs> we probably need to shut this one down. I, I you know I hope we get to. Sw- Mike and I are going to start some blabs next week. We'll be blabbing every week from um, from the new year. Hope that you s- might carve, up, carve out some time to come along, and, uh, and we'll see you there. Good times. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. I appreciate it's, it. It's been an absolute pleasure, Matt. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Well, thank you so much, Matt. That was just terrific. Um, I I got a lot out of that conversation, um, particularly a, a couple of things there, certainly about buying a property and the things that you need to watch out for before you buy, um, because they can come back to bite if you don't do the due diligence beforehand. Um, and secondly, um, all Matt's useful information on blogging. And as I said, I've just... Um, in the vacation rental formula, one of the action plans is is a very lengthy, um, so short course, a very lengthy, can I say lengthy short course? It's a short course on how to start blogging and what to do with um, 
with your blog when you've got it actually published so that you could actually drive traffic to it. Um, quite interesting this morning that I, I saw a post from Alan Egan um, a, and, and another one from Darren Rouse from ProBlogger, both sort of talking about you know the death of blogging and perhaps we should be we should be looking at another way of of terming blogging because you know the, the concept of of blogging is perhaps you know it's not as popular as it used to be. Millennials don't read blogs; um, they want things in in short chunks. They they don't have the time anymore to to read these things. Um, so we need to look at it in, in different in, in different ways. We need to look at how we get these posts out there so that people can see them. And and that you know, they're not subscribing to blogs, so you need to drive them to your posts via a Facebook post or or a Twitter or your Twitter feed or posting them on Pinterest, wherever people are going. So it could be Google Plus, it could be Instagram. So that uh, that was really useful information from Matt. So that just about wraps it up for for this week. And I'm absolutely delighted to kick off this new year with such a great interview. And I'll look forward to plenty more. Do you know if if, if you're an, an owner out there and you'd like me to uh, interview you? I would love to. I really would. Um, tell me your stories. Send me an email. Um, I would love to uh, to talk to you about uh, an interview. I think people that's what people want to hear. They want to hear hear, hear your stories, um, maybe a, a situation that you've been in that uh, that you'd like to share, and uh, maybe some tips and tricks that you do that is making your business really successful. So get in touch with me at heather at cottageblogger.com. I'd love to hear from you. And... Uh, I am looking forward to being back with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.